I was working for some very unsavory characters that were organized crime cartels where I was pushing large amounts of cocaine and then I got involved with methamphetamines and at that time I was arrested and charged with attempted murder and that's why I was facing 384 years in prison. Real life starts now. This is Real Life Radio Show with On Lay. I felt alone. I felt lost. I felt scared. Real stories. I was so desperate in living such a dark and callous life. Real people. I was thinking there was no purpose for my life. There's no reason for me to be here. Real problems. I told my dad, if you try to take these drugs, I'm going to kill you. One solution, God. Hope is a person, and his name is Jesus. And now your host, On Lay. Hi, this is Evangelist Don Lay. Welcome to the Real Life Radio Show, where we're going to talk to real people who had real problems but found answers in a real God. Today, we're going to talk about if criminals who are habitual criminals could truly change for the better. Our society tends to believe that people can't change. And though we hope for people to change, many never see it happen for family members or friends who go down the wrong path in life. But today on our show, we're going to have Brian Dawson talk about his past of being a habitual criminal who lived his life with his identity as a criminal, and he planned to go to prison for life. Brian, thanks for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. Brian, it's great having you. I understand that you lived a pretty reckless life of always getting into trouble. But before all of that, I understand you grew up in a home that was missing a father. Looking back, how did that affect you? It's tough to say specifically how deep the effect was, and I know it still resonates to this very day, but God obviously has a structure of what a family's supposed to be, um, a husband and father and mother and wife, and that was not there. So my upbringing was obviously lacking in that area, like so many people in this generation, and mm. I didn't have a positive male role model in my life to look to from ages 1 to 10. Mm. Yes, that is hard. As many face that reality of not having a positive male role model in their lives, I understand that later on, your dad came back into the picture when you were 11, and things seemed to be going great until your past pains and hurts started festering when you were around 15 to 17, and you got into drugs. Tell me about what happened. I mean, that's exactly it. When I was 11, I moved in with my dad. He was a lot more structured. He's a devout atheist to this day, but there was structure, and I began doing very well in school. I played sports. Everything was great. That's why I thought I had it together. But there was that pain and things that came from ages 1 to 10. And I never felt comfortable. I never felt comfortable in my own skin. And as I began to drink when I was about 15, 14, 15, I began to drink. And that feeling went away. Even more so when I smoked pot when I was 15, 16 in that area. And then, you know, as they call it a gateway drug, I tried cocaine, just kind of being in that lifestyle. And that was really liftoff, quote unquote, into that world. Mm, Oh, gosh. Cocaine is a pretty serious drug. I understand your involvement with drugs like this put you in more serious situations and hanging around groups that you would normally never have hung around. How did that all happen? It happened so quickly, looking back on it. I did. I started doing cocaine and realized, well, I can't sell pot to support my cocaine habit, so I'll start selling cocaine. And I went from, you know, selling small bags of cocaine to where I was pushing large amounts of cocaine. And then I got involved with methamphetamines. And at that time, I was working for some very unsavory characters that were, you could call them organized crime, cartels, those type of people that I really had no business being a kid from suburbia. But there I was. Mm, I understand that you became a pretty bad criminal yourself and you turned into an aggressive drug dealer. I understand someone even tried to snitch on you, and you ended up getting a charge of attempted murder. 
Can you tell us more about that? So yeah, this individual, he was a friend of mine. He was actually keeping stolen motorcycles at his house for me. When the cops had raided his house, found those motorcycles, and he gave them information and was willing to testify to lessen his sentence, I found out about it. I went to his house and went in there, and I hurt him really bad and beat him pretty much with an inch of his life. I mean, that was it, and I was arrested for that and charged with attempted murder, and that's why I was facing 384 years in prison. Yikes. That's a vicious moment. But even though you definitely weren't thinking about God in this moment in your life, I understand he was thinking about you. Tell us what happened. Absolutely. When I'm facing 384 years in prison because of the attempted murder on top of all the other felonies I had, and they have what's called a habitual criminal. So they begin to stack sentences and multiply sentences and all these other things. And I'm thinking I'm going to prison for the rest of my life. So I go into county jail and I'm trying to make a name for myself because I'm going to prison for a long time. And, you know, I don't want to go in there, people thinking I'm soft or anything. So I'm going to make a name for myself. I start hanging out with some of the prison gangs and people like that in county jail and conducted a few assaults for them and got into a lot of trouble in county jail. And they've got a jail within a jail. It's called administrative segregation where, or they call it ad seg or the hole, or there's a bunch of different names for it, but it's called 23 and one is what it boils down to. You're in a cement cell with a toilet and a sink by yourself for 23 hours a day. They let you out to take a shower and make a phone call, and then you go back in yourself for another 23 hours. So it was at that time that I had a Bible in there, and I began to read and not knowing anything. I didn't know anything about the Bible at all. I'd gone to church a little bit as a kid and had some experiences to where I knew that God was there and that He was real, but I had no idea who Jesus was. I had no idea what Scripture was. I didn't know the difference between the epistles and the Gospels and the Old Testament and the New Testament, but I was reading it, and as I read the words of the Bible, I felt God's love on me to the point where I knew that this was real, but I still knew nothing about Him. Oh. Like, I felt it, and then I knew it, but at the same time, I was still fighting it for whatever reason. It was a war, a spiritual war going on inside of me. <laughs> that is awesome. But I understand that even though you are starting to feel God in your life, you weren't fully convinced yet on being a Christian and who Jesus was. Is that right? Yeah. So, just to connect the dots real quick, so as I'm in administrative segregation facing 384 years in prison, I went through a process where my attorney was able to negotiate a plea bargain with the district attorney, and I was sentenced to 16 years in the Department of Corrections, and I was not sentenced to a crime of violence, but I was shipped off to prison, and the first person I met in the first prison I went to, and it was in Werfano County, Colorado, in Walstenburg, was a man by the name of Charles Frederick. And he immediately came up to me and told me in the pod that I was in, it was an actual separated unit that was separated for ministry purposes. And, and they called him a God pod or a faith pod. And he told me what it was. And he told me that he was a Christian and he kind of outlined what that meant. And he asked me what I believed. And I told him, well, I'm agnostic. I know that God is real and I've experienced things to where I know that he's there, but I can't buy this whole Jesus thing. You know, I can jive with maybe some guy died for what he believed in 2000 years ago. But for you to tell me that he was somehow born of a virgin, that he was God in the flesh, that he lived a sinless life, you know, that he somehow, his death somehow paid for something that allows us to get into heaven and he rose from the dead. Uh, no way. And he ascended into heaven and he's coming back. Sounds good. And really all the pillars of the gospel I had a huge problem with. And I told him, I said, look, I know God's real, but I'm not buying this Christianity stuff. And then you guys are a bunch of hypocrites. <laughs> Brian, let's stop there. Sounds like you were ready to chase away Christians rather than become one. I want to have you on our next show to talk about how Charles had patience and stuck it out with you and how God used him to show you some deeper understandings. Thanks so much for sharing. And we are so looking forward to having you with us on our next show. 
Absolutely. Glad to be here. Thanks for having me. Hang on. The show isn't over yet. I have some deeper thoughts to share with you right after the break. Hey guys, it's me again. Let me be real and upfront with you. People are calling in and getting saved and set free by the power of the gospel that is preached on this show through powerful testimonies. I remember one night I was working the phones and a man in about his 30s called in. He was a business owner who was addicted to cocaine and he was living in California. He said he was driving and he heard our show about a former drug addict and he felt convicted that he wasn't living his life right and he gave his life to Jesus that very night. To me, this is a powerful reminder that God is moving through this real and raw show to touch the lives of others. Will you help us reach other cities all across America? You may be able to donate maybe $5 a month, maybe $10, some of you $25, maybe more. Anything helps. Help us to spread the gospel to America as we are believing for a great harvest of souls for the kingdom of God in this time and in this era. But we can't do it without you. Don't just sit there. Go to AwakeningTheNations.com and join the movement to get these testimonies to help others. More real life starts now. Welcome back to the show. We're going to go deeper into what you just heard. So what do you think about this? Now, I know what some of you might be saying. You might be saying, well, how do I know if this is true or not? And if you're saying that, maybe you also believe that people cannot change. That once someone is something, that they'll always be that way. You know, that people might change a little bit on the surface, but deep inside, they're always going to be that way. And maybe you've seen that. Maybe you've developed this thinking in order to protect yourself because someone has hurt you and you've always given them hope. You're like, please change, do something. You tell them things and they just don't change and it breaks your heart. Well, is this true? Now, Brian on his own would say that he could not change because if he had the power on his own, he would have changed a long time ago. But how does true change come to pass in one's life? It is written in ancient scriptures in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 through 18. Now look at this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ. That's important. And has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Look at this, guys. According to this passage, when we come to know Christ, on the outside, it will appear that we changed, quote unquote. But actually, coming to know Christ is about dying to the old and birthing the new in your life through the Spirit of God. You see, the Christian life is not about making changes. It's about becoming completely a new person. It's not renovation. It's a complete new build. You see, when I came to know Christ, so much change happened, but it wasn't just because of self-discipline and like amazing ability to change myself. It was because I was filled with life to the brim. Jesus does this. You see, it's written in Isaiah 43, 19, and I'm speaking this over your life right now. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. You see, this is for somebody here. If your past was like a desert or a wilderness, He, the Lord, will make something new from that old and do the impossible. He will cause rivers to break forth in your desert. He will make new roads or pathways where there was not a pathway, where before it was blockaded by trees or wilderness. God will make a way where there was never a way before. 
I know someone is getting this here as the Lord is speaking to someone right now. So what are you doing with it? Are you continuously trying to make yourself better? Are you trying to just decorate the old and try to convince people that it's something different, but it's really still the same old? You have to surrender your life to Him and then it will happen. I'm sensing there's someone right now who needs it and you're tired. You just can't do it. You're wondering why other people can do it, but you can't do it. I'm going to show you the way right now. Jesus, we come to you because you are the way. And we know, Lord, we know that we can't change ourselves. We can't do it, Lord. And there's someone right now, they're crying from the bottom of their hearts and they're like, God, I can't do it anymore. I'm tired. I can't do it. Lord, we know that you're calling, you're beckoning and saying, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Lord Jesus, I pray for my brother, my sister. We come to you in a very real way. We surrender our lives. We just put this heavy burden on you, Lord God. And instead, we receive you into our lives. We believe in you. And we ask for the forgiveness of our sins, knowing that you've given us something new, a new life in Jesus' mighty name. I hope you're blessed by this testimony. And I know that your life was touched. If you need prayer, please give us a call at 877-480-4477. That's 877-480-4477. See you next time.